0: Point eight to ten p.m. Turning conventional wisdom on its head. on SAFM. The show continues. The COVID-19 pandemic gave the global economy very little time to prepare for what many economists had predicted would be a permanent shift in the future of work. Question is, how is this affecting Africa's workplace and the economy? According to a report done by Anzisha Prize, of the some 2.1 billion people expected to join the global population between 2019 and 2050, what, span of 31 years, half will be on the African continent, where access to stable economic opportunities yet remain limited. The youth segment account for some 60% of total unemployment numbers in Africa. That's according to the World Bank. Now, with a growing youth population, This unemployment rate is set to increase exponentially over the coming years, and that becomes a ticking time bomb. Now, on the line, Melissa Mbazo, who is the Deputy Director at the Enzisha Prize, is here to unpack the implications of, first of all, what I've read, but more than that, the opportunity. Good evening, Melissa. Thank you for joining us.
1: Hi, Thank you so much for having me
0: Thank you for joining us, we appreciate that And it's the first time we're having a chat Let's get the doom and gloom out of the way These numbers are scary Let's just imagine a worst case scenario Things remaining constant on the present facts For the next 30 years We're talking about continuously Every 10 young people, 6 of them Remain in unemployment We are seeing young people are not patient And why should they be?
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely frightening. These numbers, when you think about them, are just unbelievable. And I think they've just been made increasingly uh, frightening because of the COVID pandemic. And at the Zisha Prize, I'll just mention what we are briefly. We're an organization that supports young entrepreneurs on the continent. Mm -hmm. And we just feel like this is such a great opportunity for, for, for Africa and that it's really going to see us try and leverage this youth population that we have to ensure that we're viewing them as an opportunity and not just like what do we do with these young people and encourage them to be entrepreneurs.
0: Do we make sufficient allowance that the global economic system, for the most part, never ever contemplated African African systems does not contemplate African African systems. And to the extent that it does, they come here for the purposes of extraction more than investing. How does that at a systemic level impact the numbers that I've just read out?
1: I think it, 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 it um, catalyzes that because we just see those numbers further increasing because young people now uh, don't have opportunities for employment because our economies aren't growing because uh, the First World just comes and extracts these resources from us and we're not, we're not using those resources ourselves to build our economies. And then each year, year and year, we see just, just a, so many GDPs decreasing across multiple African uh, countries. And I think for us, what's important is for us to start encouraging young people to stop... T- Seeing um, the economies as an opportunity to just get a job or to get employment, but to start seeing their role and how they can grow the economy by by being entrepreneurs or business business
0: owners. I mean, young people have got all of these ideas, and I'm coming into the context of youth funding now. All of these ideas remain no more than ideas because there's a discord between, and I'm not just going to say funding, but the timious release of funding. Credible funding institutions genuinely supporting these ideas. Not me going to a funding institution, being told a year later that my idea is not worth investing in, only to turn the next corner and find that very idea being implemented elsewhere. And the reasons for that are best known to people outside the business environment. How do we first of all, establish credible systems and funding models that really do give the kind of effect that they are designed to have.
1: Mm. I can be a little controversial here. Please Um, be.
0: This is public radio and you speak your mind.
1: (laughs) I think part of the problem with the way that um, people view entrepreneurship is that see what's happening on Silicon in Silicon Valley. I mean, there's a lot of talk about venture capitalists and funding and, you know, Series A funding, getting an investor. And I think what we are championing right now is that young people should actually be thinking differently about uh, their businesses and about pursuing entrepreneurship and saying at the very core, you need to have a strong business. And your business growth should be based on the number of customers that you have. I mean, obviously, that may not be realistic in all sectors. So there are some capital-intensive sectors like manufacturing. Eva that, if young people or even entrepreneurs at any age are investing in growing their business and their capital base, then we'll see a shift um, in the way that people are always pursuing some sort of funding and rather thinking and dedicating more time to uh, having very robust business models.
0: But even in the capital-intensive businesses, I mean, you mentioned mining, manufacturing and construction, all of those things. There yeah. is room. I mean, this is a conversation we just had with a previous guest, David Morovia from Business Partners. There has to be scope and there always is scope in the downstream of that very capital-intensive business. So the opportunity to learn the value chain of the business where ultimately one wants to be but doesn't have the necessary let me call it resources and infrastructure, in the downstream of it, they can learn, and they can learn, so to speak, climb that ladder until they are in a position to be self-reliant and sufficient in that space that is capital intensive. The question then becomes, do we create those spaces? Do we make the circle in the proverbial sense bigger?
1: No, you're right. Definitely. If we think about the capital intensive businesses, I don't think that we make the circle bigger. And you we're leaning towards young entrepreneurs because that's what we work with um, people between the ages of 15 to 22. And what we've noticed is that we have to convince, convince investors to start thinking about young entrepreneurs. as sort of a, a pipeline for risky investment now but high returns later in the future when they've grown in, in the entrepreneurship capabilities. And a lot of that is just saying... To, to investors, if you don't do this, then what's next? What's next for us as a continent? We need to start taking those bigger risks and young people even, and more so with our money. I mean, a lot of people talk about supporting entrepreneurship, but it's very vague and gray, but very few people are, are willing to put their their dollar into it. So that's, what yeah. we, that's the message we try and, and give investors.
0: I've got two minutes for this response, maybe three. You, you mentioned young people, you mentioned risk, and I'm going to add some key words in that conversation. Failure, inexperience, collateral. Young people are not in a position to offer collateral. They don't mm. have experience. They come with idea, enthusiasm, and passion. They haven't failed, probably. They are a higher risk on the basis of how we understand in this country entrepreneurship. The question mm. is, when will what give? Because it is all of these components that have made Silicon Valley Silicon Valley.
1: Mm. No, I mean, in in many of these cases, I, I I think you're correct. But I think, for me, what I've mentioned earlier is that I don't see another alternative. And I think it has to be a longer-term view for us as a continent to say that, they may not be ready-made. Like, people want ready-made entrepreneurs. Investors want ready-made entrepreneurs. And we're saying that these young people aren't, but someone has to take that risk and invest in in them to see, to make sure that in the future that they are the gangotes of the the strives of the continent. And I think otherwise we're just going to keep waiting for all the people who are successful to, to, to turn our economies around not working as as much as we would have hoped it would
0: I'm going to take an ad break now. There are a couple of SMSs that are coming through. I see one now is coming through from East London. Mr. Lungambulawa. For those of you who want to join, please do. Johannesburg 714-2006. Let's take calls. Let's take young people, old people in the homes. Give the phone to the young people. Give them a chance to call us, please. And let them express themselves. We're in conversation with Melissa Mbazo, the Deputy Director at the Anzisha Prize, and we'll just recap what they do in a minute. But let's get the voices of young people. What do they understand work to be? It clearly can't be, not certainly as much as before than now, an idea of getting dressed, getting into a suit, into a vehicle, sitting in an office for eight to ten hours in a day. That economy has changed. We are in the fourth industrial revolution. Everything is A fingertip away. It is data driven, mass data driven, in fact. And the question is what are the young people understanding about all of this? When they are dreaming about entering the economic environment, what is it that they want to do? And I'm appealing to the young people, under 35s, ideally, but especially under 25. Can we please get even three calls? Is it too much to ask? After the break, you have the answers. Hola, beautiful. Kanye saw in Cape Town. First time caller as well. Brafini, let's do the traditional welcome. Come on now. Kanye saw thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to SAFM. Your thoughts, please.
2: Yes, man. How are you?
0: I'm well, man. How's it?
2: I'm alright. Hola. Uh, just wanna put a few comments, man, about the entrepreneurship. Please. As uh, black young people trying to survive in this industry, we try by all means, but most of the time getting opportunities for subcontracting and all that without getting good opportunities where big companies should actually give us uh, a chance to sustain ourselves by partnering with us, but most of the time just getting people who want to use our means of working without empowering young companies that are growing. So it becomes very, 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 very difficult to put money in the company where you don't have any opportunity to actually grow yourself in.
0: Interesting point. Just down the line, I just wonder what Melissa has to say in relation to that. Because Melissa, it really okay. does speak, no, no, just just hold on hold the line there, please, Kanye So I, I want my guest to respond to you because I'm hearing you to mean that there is a doth of business incubation and mentoring for these young up and coming entrepreneurs who have ideas but perhaps don't have the industry to run those ideas, and those in big business or even in established business, they could, if you like, put them under their wing. Your thoughts on that, Melissa, as we return to Kanye So, if he wants to respond.
1: Yeah, so my response to Kenzo is I think um when it comes to this and in our experience we have to sort of uh start looking this is where the private sector comes in. And I think a lot of uh businesses don't consider young entrepreneurs or SMEs as potential service providers. And I think it's up to us to sort of just change that that mindset. And when I say us I mean Incubators or any sort of accelerators or venture building programs to look to the private sector and say, what young entrepreneurs and SMEs really need is not not enough. They need you to buy their services. They need you to be their customer, and that's a lot of that's around a lot of the the work that we do as an organisation to speak to these businesses and and make them see
2: a bit differently that way.
0: Can you say your response finally, please? Uh, uh,
2: uh, I, I hear what she's saying, but the, the, the reality of things, because we are currently on the construction, construction sector.
0: Mm. And
2: we train, we're training young, young, young guys who are inexperienced from labor to skilled people, but we don't have any uh, uh, infos- insufficient um, seed that way we can actually empower young people to become a skilled person. But at the same time, we are suffering because of uh, low rates that we're getting from companies. And there's no other way to start sustaining yourself by subcontracting and then going to tenders. But the tender processes are not actually fair for small SMEs due to compliance issues and all that. So I don't know how can we bypass that because financially we are newly born companies like the 2,000... Fourteen company trying to survive in construction. It's very hard. I must say, I'm I'm in construction for the last five years, but I'm still struggling.
0: I wonder if you have engaged. And thank you so much for your thoughts, the So I'm just thinking out loud now as we move the conversation. If whether or not you have engaged the construction. Education and Training Authority, the CETA, as it were, because it does sound, from what little I know, that this is a conversation that probably can be best held with them. But here's a point that I really want to drive, and I think it's a beautiful one. Mr. Lungambulawa in East London saying, all NISFAS students should be sent to the South African National Defence Force, SA Navy, for five years to get those necessary skills and pay back NISFAS money. And perhaps I I want to tie that to these students who don't necessarily have employment and have this debt from NISFAS, those skills that they have learned can yet be used in the south african economy not just within the defense space but your process they're in trouble your transnet is in trouble looking better though now escom is in serious trouble these places are mass employers that require intensive skills artisan type-based skills in many instances surely there's a case that can be made that skill and time can then be used to offset debt or be used to fast track the repayment of debt because they will be paid your thoughts melissa melissa are you there
1: Sorry. Hello. Yes. Yes. Sorry. I'm. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. Please. Could you just say that again? But let, let, let's take
0: connection. a call from Alex.
2: Okay. Anonymous. Hello, Songa, Can you hear me?
0: Indeed, we can. Sir. Good evening.
2: Yeah. Uh. go You know what? Yeah. I just want to be honest with you. Uh. I think in this country, being young, being black, and being a male is difficult now, you know, whether it be uh, in the private sector or in the public sector, because in the public sector, we know the nepotism is happening there, and in the private sector, you know, they're only uplifting white people, you know, not that I'm playing a a race card or whatever, but, you know, it's difficult to survive now, you know, and you know what? it's even frustrating because even if you're having ideas you you know you just lose hope
0: you know yeah thank you so much anonymous and alex and that's the reality of it all we can speak of things in glowing terms but once you hear voices of the kind we've just heard from our gentleman and our brother in alex there melissa it certainly does put everything into perspective doesn't it yeah
1: it does and (laughs) it's It's such a sad situation, and I think that's why, even personally, why I think some of these programs, and I encourage you to just look up the and Prize, because we really try and be that network for young black African entrepreneurs, that network that they don't have that a white entrepreneur might, to be that person who is encouraging and is a mentor and is, is willing to invest in their businesses.
0: Excellent. Okay, let's leave that conversation there. Thank you so much then, Melissa Mbazo, Deputy Director at the Anzisha Prize. The future of work and the pivotal role of youth entrepreneurship in Africa. We will get your details, but I think um, people should just go and visit the website. Do you mind if we give the gentleman from Alex your details there, Melissa, very quickly?
1: Yeah, of course. Okay, we will do
0: that. My dear brother and Alex, um, let's hope something comes of this, and when it does if? When it does, please come back to us and tell us of how SAFM plugged you with Anzisha Prize. For now, let's take time for news. Good evening, great hosts.